Well, good afternoon, everyone. I am really excited to welcome you to um, our Nun Talks podcast today. And um, it's a privilege for me to have our guest on today, um, partly because I've been her teacher, her principal, her coach, and really just a big fan of who she is. And now I would say uh, we're friends. Um, And so today our guest is Peyton uh, Vare, and some might know her more as Peyton Olson, but we'll make sure we call her uh, Peyton Vare um, as she uh, has gotten married on us. But uh, just by way of introduction, Peyton's a graduate of a Westwind school, Carson High School, um, participated fully in high school. She was a athletic um, in athletics. She played, uh, I think, volleyball mostly in junior high and little in high school, but she played basketball all the way through. Um, she loves horses, participated in rodeo, um, and then she found maybe her true love of athletics, and that was soccer. And she played soccer here in Cardston and then ended up getting a scholarship to play for the college um, and played one year of soccer uh, for the Kodiaks. And then um, life changed, and we'll talk about some of those life changes as we go. But um, she also then had the, uh, I think, probably one of the most awesome experiences of her life, and that was to make uh, Team Canada for sitting volleyball. We'll talk about that. Um, she's been to South America uh, for the Pan Am Games, was that right? Yeah. And then also then this past summer had a chance to go to the Olympics uh, for the, the Paralympics and participate in with Team Canada in sitting volleyball. And those games were hard to watch because they are uh, even listen to because they were opposite side of the world, different times, but uh, awesome experience. So welcome to our podcast today, Peyton. I'm super excited to have you uh, join us. Um, and and be with us today. Um, And so we're going to just take an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. So I'm going to give you a a chance just to introduce yourself and tell us uh, about who you are, and then we're going to walk through the last couple of years of your life, if that's okay. Yeah, thank you, first off, for having me. So my journey kind of all started on July 27th, 2018, I was in a pretty tragic accident. I was ran over by a lawnmower, which resulted in the amputation of my right foot below the knee and the reconstruction of my left heel. This was a hard time for me. Like you had just said, I was on a scholarship with the Kodiaks. Um, I was on the path that I wanted my life to be going, and I was happy in the direction that it was headed. And all of a sudden, like people say, my life changed before my eyes in a second. I was laying on the ground and I didn't know what to do at that point. By the time I got to the hospital, I had some really big decisions to make. As I was over the age of 18 and I was an adult, I had to sign the papers myself for the amputation. And it was just something that I knew you can't go back in life. You can't turn back the clock as much as you'd like to. So I signed the papers and they amputated my leg within the next two days. When I woke up after that surgery, I had a lot of processing to do. My, what I knew and what I wanted to do was all over. I had to start fresh basically. And it was really when I was laying in that hospital bed that I realized that I can either sit here and just waste away, no one will blame me. I could make as many excuses as I want and get away with it, but I wasn't that type of person through coaches and everything. People always told me, 
excuses are like armpits, they all stink. <laughs> and uh, that's one thing that really stuck with me. I was like, I can get away with making excuses right now, but that's not the type of person I wanted to be. And while I was in the hospital, I saw a lot of people that were worse off than me. And I knew that if they could do that and have a smile on their face, that this is a small thing that I can achieve too. And yeah, I've accomplished a lot since three years ago in that hospital bed. And I'm so proud of myself and how far I've come. Not a lot of people get to see the positive things come out of such a tragic thing. But I was lucky with my accident. It's been very obvious to me all the life experiences that I've got coming after this. So let's, let's talk for a minute, because um, if people want to know more about the accident themselves, you have a YouTube channel um, that you posted to for quite a while. There's some other videos, I think, that uh, family posted about Road to Recovery. They can kind of see um, the, the details of, of the accident. But let's, let's talk for just a minute, Peyton, because um, I'm fascinated with um, resilience and what resilience means and, and how resilience comes about. And um, as you kind of gone through, uh, this was right after graduation, right? Like, this was it the summer you graduated or the no, year later? the year later. The year later. Oh, yeah. You, so you played soccer for the Kodiaks for one year. Yeah. Kind of living the dream, going to go back and play again. Uh, I think your team the next year ended up winning the bronze uh, yeah. in, in, their, in their regional player or whatever. And so uh, some awesome things there. Um, but... Let's just go to the, the hospital because there's a, there's a video on YouTube that I watched and there's a scene where you're looking out the window and you're pretty sad, um, and, or at least the image is that you're pretty sad. And you just mentioned that um, you're sitting there and part of the time you're in the hospital, you're in the burn unit, you saw people that had things maybe worse than you did, um, but they were making the most of it. So when did, when did you, sitting there, say, I can be better than this. I'm given this opportunity despite um, I've lost my leg. When, when did that switch for you and, and who was there to guide you through that? Yeah, so I was lucky when I was in the hospital. Um, I was in the Foothills Hospital up in Calgary and they were amazing. They let all my family be in the room with me basically 24-7. Nobody was pushing them to rush to get out. So I had a lot of support while I was in the hospital. And that is a big part of my recovery is the support system I had with me in the hospital, but also the community that I had rooting for me back home. But really where I saw the switch is I noticed it at two parts. The first time was when I was laying in my hospital bed. I, the nurses always had my door open and I think they did it on purpose. So while I was laying in the bed, my door was open. I would just see different patients walking back and forth in front of my room. And there was one particular that really stood out to me. It was a young girl about the same age as me, and she was a burn victim. She had been burnt head to toe, and she was a quadruple amputee. And she got dressed up every day in a different dress and just had a smile on her face, visiting with all the nurses throughout our unit. And when I saw her every day, I just knew that if she could do this and be as happy as she was, that I could do it as well. And that was the first time that I was like, okay, like, let's do this. Let's make something out of this situation. And then, like all highs, I started to get low again. I was in the hospital for almost an entire month. 
And the second time that I really snapped out of it was the first time that I got to get out of my bed. I was in my bed for about a week, which is something I'm not used to being an active person. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was restless. I was tired of being in there. My body was getting sore from laying down the whole time. And I finally got to go in the wheelchair. And if you look at my YouTube video and like you mentioned, there's a clip of me staring out the window. And that was the first time that I got to get out of my bed. And they rolled me out to the windows. And beneath the window was a basketball court, which is another sport that I love playing. So it was just a glimpse of my life kind of that I was living before. I could see myself playing basketball. I could see it all. And then I had to start picturing it a little different. I had a prosthetic on. I was a little bit slower at times. I had to make adjustments for my body. But I started being able to see my future as an amputee and the possibilities that I could have as well. And so looking through that window, I saw a lot of my past at that time, but I also saw a lot of my future and the opportunities I knew I could have if I just pushed a little harder every day. Um, I love that vision that you just shared of, I'm looking through a window, I can see my past, but I can also see my future and what that can be. And I, I think we probably all have those times in our lives where we have that window we look through and say, that's what I thought it would be like, but this is what it's like, so what do I, what do, I do with that? So um, when you got your prosthetic and you envisioned being able to walk again, I'm guessing in your mind you thought, I'm putting this on, <laughs> I'm running out of here. <laughs> and I remember seeing videos, I can't remember if your mom had posted them or whatever, um, but I remember seeing those videos of you learning to walk again. Um, what, what was that like to say, I am this physically strong, athletic individual, I used to be really fast, and now, and now I'm, I'm trying to make my brain say, there's a leg, use it. What was that kind of like? Yeah, so exactly what you said when I knew I was getting my prosthetic, I thought you were just going to put on a leg and it'd be normal again. I thought I could go sprint a meter run, but that wasn't the case. I put on the prosthetic. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. It was painful at times. And it was really exactly just one step at a time. I had to take one step while holding onto bars and there was a lot of adjustments that had to be made. My leg didn't fit perfectly the first time, but it was something that I knew I had to get used to. I couldn't live my life without the prosthetic now. So it's something that I had to make a part of me. That prosthetic was now gonna be Peyton Olton, now Peyton Bear, and that's something that I've adapted. My prosthetic is a part of me now. At first, it was something I was embarrassed about, and I'll talk a lot about appearance, especially being a 19-year-old girl at the time. I didn't know what people were going to think of me. I knew that when I saw somebody different before, that you kind of take a second look at them all the time. You're like, whoa, what's wrong with that person? And now I had to be that person that people are looking at, that people are taking a second look at. And that was a lot of my recovery, was accepting my appearance and what a prosthetic looked like on me. But just like the pain that it felt at first putting on that leg, I've just learned to accept it and now it's something that I don't want to hide and it's something that makes me different and it makes me stand out. But yeah, it was definitely hard at first and I couldn't run, I couldn't even fast walk, but now I'm able to run and do everything that I was able to before my accident. Awesome. 
Let, let's talk for just a minute. And it wasn't my intent, but let's talk about it for anyway. Anyway, what would you say to young girls, 15 to 18, 15 to 21, whatever, uh, about appearance? And you, you talked like, you know, I had this appearance. This is what I got used to looking at every morning. And now I'm looking at myself different. What would, what would you say to mm -hmm. them when it comes to self-image and appearance and things like that? Yeah, it's... It's definitely hard no matter what age you're at. And I don't know if you'll ever get to a point in your life where you absolutely love everything about yourself and there's nothing that you'd want to change because that's just not reality. People, were picky. We see imperfections. That's the first thing that we see. But for me, in high school, I was okay with how I looked. I was an athletic person and I was... I was okay with it. I settled with what I was and I accepted it. And once my accident happened, it just all changed. It changed. I didn't like the way I looked anymore. It was hard to accept. And like I said, people, I'd go to the mall or to the grocery store and people would just sit and stare or else they'd make a comment that usually it was just out of curiosity. But at the time it kind of offended me just because they were making the comment because I looked different. And it took me a long time to accept and I'm still learning how to fully accept it. But I've learned through these three years that you want people to look at you. You want them to notice something different about you because that's what is gonna make you stand out in the end. And if I was to blend in, nobody would notice me. I wouldn't have achieved half the things I am today. And it's because my body is different and because I'm different and that I've accepted that I'm different, that I get to be better than I was before. And for a lot of girls and guys, it's hard for us to accept who we are naturally. We always want to make adjustments, but we should just be grateful for what our bodies can achieve for us. My body has done more than I could have ever asked it to do and it's recovered and it's learned to heal and especially through this pandemic that we're in I think it's most important to just be grateful for the body and the health that you have and the ability that you can live every day with it awesome thank you let's let's talk about the last couple of years now mm -hmm. so you recover well <laughs> I'll use the term recover yeah. you learn uh, you learn to function with a new body a new leg and, and I'm not um, a genius on prosthetics, but there's a general prosthetic and then there's an athletic prosthetic. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you were able to get an athletic prosthetic, is that correct? Yeah. What did that do for you and how, what doors did that open? Yeah, so my athletic prosthetic, the first day I got it was way better than the first day I got my prosthetic. Um, my sports leg, as I call it, made me feel like I had my leg again. It gave me that active lifestyle again with, I, first of all, I should kind of tell you, I have three legs. My one leg that I got first, I call my peg leg. It's just a straight pole. And then I have my second leg, which is a shower leg with prosthetics. You can't just wear them everywhere <laughs> like you guys get to do with your legs. You have to take care of them. They can rust, they can break down. So my shower leg is one that you just use when you're boating, when you're in the water oh, cool. and such. It can kind of get beat up a little bit more. And then I have my sports leg. My sports leg is my pride and joy. It makes me feel the most like I did before my accident. It's let me be active. It's let me do hikes. It's let me run. It 
lets me jump and it just continues to let me play sports. So my sports leg is really just, it's Peyton's personality and I love that about my leg and it's just fun that I can change my leg out, like people change shoes for a different game, so. Oh, that's awesome. So you, you're, you're back doing sports. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the first time, but it was pretty close to the first time. I was uh, at the Carson Agrodome and I'm riding a horse and I, I go there lots of nights and ride. And I, um, I had the privilege of watching you ride a horse again, probably for the first time. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that was like for, again, a passion that you had that um, unfortunately with the accident, weren't able to do for a long time. And then you got back on a horse. What was that like? Yeah, riding a horse was one of the first things that I can say was the only thing after my accident that felt normal. Um, it wasn't something that I had to have pressure on my legs the whole time. It was just me and my horse again. And it was so nice and relaxing to know that a little part of my past was still like there in my future with me. And horses are just such a comforting thing for me. They're really great for any type of recovery, honestly. You get to connect with another living thing. And I've had a lot of my horses for a lot of my life. So they've kind of grown up with me over the time. And it was just different and good to know that they accepted me now, who I am. But... It was so nice. <laughs> I know I've said that lots, but to get back on a horse and ride again. And I was so thankful that I was able to do that as early as I got to. And I know you love them because they were even in the wedding pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were in the background, weren't yeah. they, the whole wedding? Yeah, so that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you, you know, you and I talked before the podcast um, that we started recording that you had... Um, you know, you had this life that you thought you were going to live. Uh, it changed, um, but you've, in a strange way, you've had opportunities that never would have maybe come um, because of the accident. So, and you took advantage of them. You, you uh, um, used the opportunity to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm here, let's do this. So let's talk about some of those things. Yeah, definitely. So I have... Got a lot of, got to do a lot of things that I never would have expected. In 2019, I joined the Canadian sitting volleyball team and they invited me to come compete with them in Peru for the Pan Am Games. So this was all new to me. Volleyball was never one of the sports that I thought I was going to be playing after high school. I didn't see myself as a very good volleyball player in high school. So after college and everything, I thought volleyball was just kind of put away in high school. So it was new to me again. I was bumping again, I was setting again. I felt like I had lost quite a few of those skills since high school, but with a lot of great coaching staff and teammates, I got some practice in and they invited me to come to the Peru games. And this was a big competition for the Canadian team. It was one of the last chances that they were having to qualify for the Paralympic Games in Tokyo that were happening in 2020. And here I am, this rookie that they brought in with them. I'm sitting on the bench and my coach subs me in. (laughs) And in one of the biggest games in my life, I got to go in even just as a small sub in for a serve. And I just realized that 
I had an accident, but somehow I'm still playing sports. It just, I thought it was going to end, but it's still going and I'm still here competing, but now I'm competing for the highest level of sport that I could have ever imagined and that is possible for me to compete in. And at that Pan Am Games, we didn't get the result that we wanted. We ended up coming in third and we had to get first or second to qualify for Tokyo. So even though I was on a high and thinking life was really good, it wasn't it. And it was time to really train again and get down and get connected with this new team of mine. And that's what we did. We went in March to Halifax for the very last chance qualifier. And we got to compete on home soil. And we ended up placing first in that tournament, which gave us the very last spot to qualify for the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. And this was really exciting for me. I felt like I had accomplished a lot. I had trained with this team. I had really came so far in my recovery also as a new amputee. And then the pandemic hit and nobody really knew what was going to be happening with the Paralympic and Olympic Games. And this was not only hard for me, but also for my teammates that had trained for this event for a lot longer. And at first we didn't know how to come together as a team. My teammates are all across Canada. We centralize in Alberta once a month. And so with this pandemic, we couldn't do that anymore. So we had to learn and adapt with what we had at home. We did Zoom calls with training online. We connected with our coaches as often as we could. And um, Volleyball Canada really said that we were one of the only teams in Canada working as hard as we were. And we really showed that once we finally got to go to the Paralympic Games in Tokyo in 2021, we ranked higher than anybody expected. We made it to the bronze medal game. Unfortunately, we didn't get the result that we wanted, but we ended up placing fourth, which is higher than anyone expected for our team at that time. And it was a really great outcome for us altogether. So um, I'm, I'm sure lots of local people have um, watched or paid attention to sitting volleyball more than they ever have <laughs> because of, a, uh, of you. Um, but just describe that just a little bit because everybody on the team has a, has a different um, disability. disability. And uh, so just describe that coming together. Some, uh, you know, some get up and walk off when it's their <laughs> turn and others have to slide off and, yeah. and others hop off and, <laughs> and all of that. So just describe that kind of coming together uh, with a common, um, a common goal to win a game or mm -hmm. go to the Olympics, but all having such different disabilities and different backgrounds. What's mm -hmm. that like to, to come together with that common cause yeah. um, for each other? It was really cool. I mean, before my accident, I didn't know any amputees. It wasn't something I was familiar with. I hadn't even seen a lot. And so when I joined the team and everyone on the team was an amputee, that was kind of a culture shock for me in itself. And then getting to know the girls and know what they've been through and hear similar things in me, but similar things to me, but also things that are different was really amazing just to know that I wasn't the only one that had to overcome trials that I did to get to this point. There is also a girl on my team that was in a lawnmower accident, accident as well. So we connect really well together. We have similar stories and it's just nice to be able to talk to someone that has been through an event like yourself. 
But also, I think in competitive sports, because we have such a strong connection through horrific things, honestly, that have happened to our to us in our life, we have a great connection on the court. We understand each other. We communicate well with each other. And we're able to relate and know when somebody needs something from one of us on the court. And it's just different to see being an athlete in high school and college and how you connect with those teammates compared to how I connect to my teammates in a Paralympic sport with disabilities is really, truly inspiring. And my teammates are amazing, and I'm so thankful for them. That's awesome. Let's let's talk about the Olympic experience for mm -hmm. a minute, because it, it almost didn't happen, Yeah. right? Like <laughs> the pandemic hits, supposed to happen 2020, doesn't mm -hmm. happen. Um, the Olympics, you know, like almost up until the day that they were going to happen, it was up in the air. Who mm -hmm. could come? Who couldn't come? Testing, oh, yeah. quarantining, all of that kind of stuff. So you get there and you mm -hmm. get to play. What, what was that like, the, the first game, to, to be at the Olympics, to, to um, be there as representing Canada and your mm -hmm. community and, and all of that? What was that like yeah. for you? The <laughs> first game was amazing. I mean, up until that very first match, we could have been sent home at any time if somebody had a positive COVID test and the games would have been over for us. But once that first game happened, we knew we were there. We knew we were ready to compete. And I just remember our team lining up in the tunnel. We're lined up with both teams. So it was us and Brazil, I believe, was our first match. And we're lined up in this tunnel. And it just felt so professional. I was like, wow, this is amazing. We get the full walkout experience. As soon as the curtains open, you have cameras all over in your face. But when you looked into the crowd, when you think about the Paralympics and the Olympics, you expect to see a sold out stadium. And with the pandemic, that didn't happen for us. There wasn't a single person in the stands, which was really, it was hard. I mean, you're at the highest level of sport and still no one's there to watch you. And there's a ton of family of mine that I know would have been there as well as my teammates. But once you saw all the cameras, you knew that you had people supporting you back home. Even though our games were live streamed here at 3 a.m., I had a ton of family and community waking up to watch me. And even though we didn't have that crowd, our team just brought the volume. We brought the energy and we were able to compete for every point. And that Paralympic experience is so amazing. We didn't need the crowd to bring the energy. Our team was bringing it ourselves. And we were just there to compete, and we were there to play the game that we love. Awesome. So what does the future have in store for you? Yeah. Uh, Paris 2024, hopefully we'll do our best to qualify. I think we have a really good chance. And, I mean, the games are hosted every four years, so we'll see how long I want to stay along with the team, but I can see myself definitely competing with them for quite a few years to come. Oh, awesome. And I think just playing volleyball, continuing my education, and settling down here in Cardston. Sweet. So um, you want to become a teacher? Yes. Why? I just love the fact that... Through my accident, I have got to reach a lot of people, 
and kind of be a role model to some. And I think with teaching, that's something that I can continue to do. I want to be someone that kids can look up to and know that they can come to me for anything that they need. When I was in school, I didn't always have a specific teacher that was always reaching out to help me, but I had a couple. And because of the role models they were, really made me want to be a teacher and be able to help students that are also struggling and just know that they have someone that's there for them and wants the best for them. Awesome. So um, at the start of the podcast, we wanted to talk about resilience and overcoming challenges and hard things. <laughs> so there's a few factors that I think uh, have played into this um, whole conversation on resilience and, and moments that changed your life. One I can think about is just your relationship with team, whether that was in junior high or high mm -hmm. school or at the college level on soccer and then um, at the Paralympic level with your sitting volleyball team. Um, the other uh, factor is that, that uh, internal motivation to be and do better. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't talk a lot about it. Um, um, but I know from observation and those that want to watch the YouTube videos, family's a huge one in there. Um, I, uh, wow. <laughs> I thought I would be okay. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe um, because I am a dad, um, if you can, mm -hmm. talk about your dad for just a minute. He's yeah. in all the videos. <laughs> he, uh, long before your accident, he spent his life, or mornings, I should say, in the gym. Mm -hmm. uh, that obviously played a critical role in helping you move around for a while. So, <clears throat> if you're okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> talk about your dad for a minute. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> my dad's definitely my emotional trigger all the time. But um, yeah, my dad spent his mornings always working out. Um, he's the strongest man I know physically and mentally. And no matter the time or the place of my games in high school and college, he always made sure he was there regardless of his work schedule. He just made it happen. He put me and my other siblings as first priority his entire life. And when my accident happened, I know it broke his heart. Um, he felt like his role as a father was always to protect me and he felt like he had failed at that point. And so when I was in the hospital, uh, you'd have to pull him away and have 50 people to get him away from my bedside. And he was there catering me and doting me the whole time. He was the only one that could adjust my pillows and make sure I was comfortable in my bed. And me and my dad have always had such a close relationship. And seeing him in the hospital was probably the hardest part for me, as I'm sure it was for him. Just seeing how broken he felt at the time, not being able to do something that I needed or seeing me go through the pain that I was going through. Um, him and my mother said countless times that they wish they could just take it away, like take it upon themselves. And that's just not something that could happen. But seeing my dad through the whole, through my whole life and seeing the strength that he had was one of the big reasons that I was able to be strong through this experience. 
Um, he had set such a great example for me my whole life. And I, one of the things is I wanted to continue to make him proud. I wanted him to be proud of what I could achieve after that. And I am so thankful that he has kind of stuck th with me through all my stubbornness. And he's really been one to help push me to achieve things. One of my small achievements not only was walking on a prosthetic, but getting up to a slalom ski again and surf. And he was the one holding my hand through that whole thing. He was helping me balance on the surfboard and making sure that I was getting the right movements I needed when I was skiing. And he has just been beside me through the whole thing. And I'm so thankful for him and everything he does. And I know that it was really important that he go to those go to the gym at 6 a.m. when I was a child because when I was 19 in a wheelchair, he was the one that had to pack me up the gym stairs and get me into the gym. And that physical strength is what I needed at the time because I had to be doted on all the time. I was limited in a wheelchair and a lot of places aren't accessible even in today's time. And he had to pack me around to get me into buildings and to get me into my own house. And I'm so thankful for his physical and mental strength throughout my whole journey as well. That's awesome. <clears throat> I think I got myself together now. <laughs> but just thinking about uh, resilience and the factors around resilience and, and those that help us build resilience, um, I just admired um, from watching from afar your dad um, but that, that, that that's a factor that made who you are. And so whether it's a coach, a, a parent, uh, a religious leader, an elder, um, whatever that is, um, I think as adults we all need to remember that we contribute to building the resilience of kids. And, and part of that is being with them, um, walking them through hard times, helping them overcome those things. So... Um, uh, there's one other person that we want to talk about for just a minute because he's in every picture uh, at the hospital, um, and and then you married him. Yeah. So let's so talk about Carson for just a minute and yeah. kind of his his role in in helping you recover, not just physically but emotionally, mm -hmm. and and then being your 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 number one fan now. Yeah. Unfortunately, definitely. dads have to step aside. So yeah. Anyway. So my whole childhood, um, my dad was my number one, and uh, my goal in life was to marry someone that reminded me of my dad. And Carson really showed me that, especially through my accident, he was just like my dad. He wasn't leaving my bedside. He was there for the whole thing, and there was many times that I told him that it was okay if he left. I wouldn't think less of him. He didn't sign up for this, and... He sat there every time and he's like, no, like, I'm going to be here through it all. I'm not leaving. I've told everyone, like, I'm here for this. I'm not going anywhere. And that's really what I needed at the moment. At the time, like I talked earlier, I was worried about my appearance. And I was worried. I was like, who's going to want to date a girl that has one leg? And he stayed there the whole time and he was ready for that challenge and there's a lot of financial difficulties as well as physical disabilities with an amputation and 
he was just ready to take on all those roles and support me the best way he could. And I am so thankful that I found a person that is willing to put up with all of my disabilities <laughs> physically and mentally. And um, he was a great person to have with me in that accident as well as his family. They've all been very supportive and he definitely is my number one fan along with my dad and my family. He's there waking up at 3 a.m. to watch my games and he's there dragging me into the gym now just like my dad did before to make sure I'm ready for competitions and to make sure I'm as strong as I need to be and he's such a great husband and he's been just amazing to have in my life and I'm so thankful for him. That's awesome. Okay, so I have two final questions to okay. you. One, what would you tell um, young people that are struggling with anything? Um, yours is a, a very physical, visual thing, and some mm -hmm. aren't so much. But what would you tell them when they face these hard challenges? And then I'll ask the other question. Yeah, so what I would say to anyone is you're going to be in a really low spot whenever you come to a challenge and it's in those low moments that you're going to start to see growth if you choose it if you're really watering your challenges and putting in the work you're going to see growth in the end and it's going to be hard at times and there's going to be a lot of times where you don't want to get up in the morning to work out if it's something physical physical and there's a lot of mental disabilities as well now, and it's just something that you got to work on, and you have to wake up every morning and try and make that change. No one's going to be able to do it for you. No one's going to be able to help you get out of those lows. You can have amazing support systems, but in the end, it's yourself that has to put in the work. And just with myself, there's a lot of times that I did want to give up, and I did just want to make excuses because I could get away with it, but that wasn't going to make me into a better person in the future, and that I wanted to live the best life I could. I didn't want to look at myself in the future and just see somebody sitting on the couch. I wanted to look at myself in the future and see somebody standing with a gold medal at the Paralympic Games. That's awesome. All right, the last question is this, and, mm -hmm. and it has to do with um, a presentation that we watched from our superintendent this year. And in the presentation, the, the uh, um, video presentation, um, the gentleman talked about this question and, mm -hmm. or he introduced this um, theme of be a better human. So when you think about all the things you've been through and, and your future, um, what does it mean to you to be a better human? Mm -hmm. um, I mean... I think being a good person is the most important part in life and religiously as well I know there's a lot of things that you feel like you need to do service wise and everything but I truly believe if you're working your hardest to be a genuine good person and you're just there to help everyone that you're not only going to get help in return when you need it but there's going to be so many more opportunities that you're going to be grateful for and you're just going to see the positive life in life more um i know there's many things in my life that i wish i would have been nicer and i wish i would have been kinder to people as well as people in my family 
And after my accident, I felt like I almost had a restart to things. People kind of forgave me for past things. <laughs> and I just knew that it was going to be a part of me now to just be a genuine good person. I wanted people when they hear my name, not to think about negative thoughts, but just be like, wow, she was really, a, truly a good person. And I hope that's something that I can be known for forever is just, if that's the first thing that comes into people's mind when they hear my name, then I'll be happy. That's awesome. Well, I, a huge thank you, uh, Peyton. I know that sometimes going back through it is a bit emotional. It, <laughs> it even was for me and I didn't live it like you did. Um, but uh, uh, it's an amazing, really an amazing story and the opportunities that you've taken advantage of um, because of the accident, overcoming hard things, being resilient has led to opportunities um, now and, and I know in the future. And uh, I wish you the best of luck. I'll I'll, on the sidelines, be anxious to watch your story and see where it all unfolds for you in the next few years. So thanks for coming on today and uh, really appreciate it. Yes, thanks for having me.